Hello again, I'm John Foley, and welcome to the Cloud Database Report podcast, where we discuss the exploding world of big data and the platforms and services that companies are using to manage terabytes, petabytes, and exabytes of data in the cloud. Each week, we discuss the latest developments in the cloud database market and talk to industry experts about the trends, challenges, and opportunities they see. Today's guest is Karthik Ranganathan, co-founder and CTO of Yugabyte, a five-year-old startup that is developing an open-source SQL database that is compatible with Postgres. On this podcast, I talked to Karthik about Yugabyte DB, which is available as a cloud service, about distributed data, and the ongoing debate over SQL versus NoSQL. We'll get to the conversation momentarily, but first a note from our sponsor, InterSystems. InterSystems is a creative data technology provider and the engine behind the world's most important applications, providing innovative data solutions for organizations with critical needs, such as those in healthcare, financial services, and logistics. The InterSystems IRIS data platform addresses interoperability, speed, and scalability, empowering global organizations to build high-performance, machine-learning-enabled applications. Through smart data fabrics, InterSystems connects data across organizations and enables them to maximize their existing technology investments. InterSystems is committed to excellence through its award-winning 24 by 7 support for customers and partners in more than 80 countries. Learn more at intersystems.com. Our guest today is Karthik Ranganathan, co-founder and CTO of Yugabyte. Karthik leads development for the Yugabyte database with a goal of making it a preferred platform for cloud native applications. He previously worked in engineering roles at Microsoft and Facebook and elsewhere, where he worked on the HBase and Cassandra databases. So let's dive into this. Karthik, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot for having me, John. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, look forward to this conversation, Karthik. So let's start with the company name, Yugabyte. Uh, data is measured in bytes. We have terabytes, petabytes, and so on. What is a Yugabyte? Yeah, it's a, it's a fun play on the name, actually, John. Like when we were uh, trying to name the company, we were like, you know, people kept talking about the size of data, which is what you're talking about, like, you know, um, gigabyte, maybe terabyte, petabyte, and so on. But one of the important characteristics of transactional data is the fact that it needs to live forever, right? So uh, Yugabyte is a spin on Yuga, which stands for an eon in Sanskrit, right? So the word Yuga in Sanskrit is like millions of years. And so the play is on data that needs to live forever or data that needs to be accessible and protected forever. And that's what Yugabyte does, right? So it's a play on both the fact that your data set is growing, but also that it has to live forever. Well, I think that's an important concept and one that I will add to my lexicon. That sounds good. All right, now um, we'll get to the Yugabyte database in just a minute, but first, maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience at Facebook, for example, with HBase and Cassandra and how that carries over to the work that you're doing at Yugabyte. Absolutely. Um, I joined Facebook back in 2007, right? And uh, just to set the context, right, there were NoSQL was not a thing back then. There was no, there were no NoSQL databases. They all just started getting built then, and it really took off a couple of years, two to three years later, is when it really started coming out to the to the folks to use. Um, so at Facebook, uh, the first group I joined, we were working on building a database that could deal with data 
more than just on one node, right? Like, so it didn't have to just have all its processing on one node. So effectively distributing the query processing and also the storage across nodes with replication and high availability, right? And so we built this database and open sourced it and it's now what you know as Apache Cassandra, right? And uh, subsequently, and this was for the inbox search use case where people wanted to search through their messages when you know people messaged one another in the Facebook application or platform. Right. Um, and subsequently, we worked on HBase, um, myself, my co-founders, everybody at and in the initial founding team at, at Yugabyte, uh, the engineering team, we all worked on building HBase, a bunch of core features in HBase and getting that to support the messages product itself, like when people were messaging each other, et cetera. Right? Again, similar um, things as Apache Cassandra, but the, the, the difference here was we needed to uh, ensure consistency of data and to make sure that people never lost their messages, right? With search, you can be uh, eventually consistent, it's totally fine, but you needed higher availability, lower operational overhead with messages we were signing up to almost make it a system of record effectively for people's messages, right? So that had to ensure consistency and so on. The other unique thing about all of us at, at Facebook, which it's pretty unique across most companies when I think about it now is, we were not just the builders of the database, we also ran it in production, right? So, we were getting paged at 3 a.m. We had an on-call rotation. We used to deal with debugging, you know, performance issues, everything, right? And just all kinds of issues and all kinds of feature sets. So we would not just build the database and get applications to use them well. We would also build features in the core database so that it could run by itself, right? Without having too much of intervention or without being woken up at 3 a.m., for example. So a lot of that finds its way into Yugabyte DB today. Um, because Yugabyte DB is effectively solving a similar problem. It is a cloud native database, right? And uh, it's, it's being built with um, a more accessible API, a, more, a simpler API, well-known API, as opposed to HBase or Cassandra, which used to have their own API and, and supports transactions and so on. So it's, you could think of it as a natural evolution on top of the work we did at Facebook, but the work and the learnings there were very, very critical to be able to build a database like this today. All right, and now we're gonna we're gonna come back to some of the technology, some of the concepts you just you just talked about. But let me let me start with just a general understanding of the Yugabyte DB, which is a distributed SQL database. And there are other databases that are similar um, in the fact uh, that they are distributed SQL, although they they're not exactly the same. You know, Spanner, CockroachDB, um, Postgres, and others. So I guess I would start by asking, um, how is a Yugabyte DB different? And maybe you could um, talk about distributed this distributed nature of the database. Got it. Um, so maybe let me first at a high level define what at least we think of when we say distributed SQL, right? Like um, the distributed nature of the database comes in from the ability to, I mean, among uh, many other things, just handle three primary virtues or uh, characteristics. The first one is uh, ability to tolerate failures. So be resilient to failures and still keep serving data and queries and processing. So high availability. Uh, the second one is the ability to scale pretty easily and distribute both data and, uh, and query processing. So if you add nodes to a cluster, it should be able to scale, like horizontal scaling. And the third one is uh, replication is a built-in concern. So you should be able to replicate data from within the database. If you now take a traditional database like Postgres or MySQL or any of these other databases, you would have to 
as a user deal with replication to different regions, right? It, the Postgres doesn't replicate data to another server, you would set it up to do so, right? But distributed SQL databases would natively replicate data, right? Now, having defined that, like obviously the, your, um, your primary part of the question was what's different about Gigabyte DB, right? Uh, the first thing I'd say is the fact that we reuse the upper half of um, Postgres. So it literally is Postgres compatible and has all of the features. Um, we found that you know applications come in a variety of different uh, you know form factors, and they use a variety of different features from the database underneath. And uh, as they're starting to run in the cloud, all of these applications, irrespective of the features they need, would still need to guarantee high availability, scale when you need it, and replicate data. Right now, that's the nature of how it's being deployed and run, but the application itself requires a lot of features from the database, right? They don't really want to give up all those features and rebuild those features in the application tier because it's, it's unnecessary, right? So uh, one of the main differences is Yugabyte DB is, supports the upper half of Postgres, literally, by, it's by reusing the code. So applications are still talking to Postgres, uh, which is a well-known database and a lot of developers understand it and super feature rich. And so it pretty much can, give uh, developers and application builders the guarantee that you know in the future as their application evolves as it has new needs the database will be you know able to support all of the features that these applications need right so that's one of the primary differences the second difference is Yugabyte db is built with a multi api upper half right that means uh, if, if we don't just support um, you know a postgres compatible api we support another api for a different table type and slightly different type of workloads which is apache cassandra compatible but has some of the transactional requirements built in like for example secondary indexes and you know a document data type called json b and and you know other things so for building transactional applications it works really well at massive scale so when you have high scale low latency needs this is a great um, api to use right and the third difference I'd say is uh, Yugabyte DB is probably the only database that not just does synchronous replication, but asynchronous replication also. So you can set up two clusters and two independent clusters, and you can actually have them unidirectionally replicate from one cluster to another, or bidirectionally replicate where you can write on either cluster and the data makes it to the other side, right? So this is a controlled form of eventual consistency that we support. And we do realize that people want sometimes to trade off um, transactional uh, guarantees and asset compliance for performance, right? You want to get lower latency, higher throughput, and that type of performance, but you're okay tolerating a little bit of staleness in data or consistency hit, right? So that's really the, um, those are the three things I'd say that primarily distinguish Yugabyte DB. Now, I, I do want to um, ask you about the use cases, but before I do, um, let's talk a little bit about SQL and NoSQL, because you, you kind of alluded to this, um, you know, there has been a debate um, in the choice of data, uh, database platforms on SQL versus NoSQL. In an interview with VentureBeat, you said, we don't want to take a side. Um, so how does Yugabyte DB maintain neutrality and uh, do both? Yeah, I think uh, that was one of the foundational pieces of the, of the project of the database itself, right? Um, what we realized when we were at Facebook is that there's different types of applications and they need different things from the data layer underneath, right? Some of these applications simply have massive scale, right? And you don't want to support a lot of crazy features that would slow you down or slow the database down in, in its ability to, you know, handle queries and, you know, deal with data. 
Um, and there are some, uh, th there's definitely a case to be made for relaxing some of the constraints and some of the checks that a traditional RDBMS would do, uh, and which actually could become real features that the application could uh, leverage, right? So these are, so um, I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples. Like for example, uh, the, the first thing that, um, that we see in um, the NoSQL side is the ability to auto expire data, right? So you write a row of data and you say, look, I don't want this row to exist after three months, right? After 90 days, you can just tag that row saying, I want to auto expire this row. And it just goes away after 90 days. You don't have to do anything explicit as a user, right? Now uh, with RDBMS databases, every row, every piece of, of every interaction that's done with the database is transactional in nature and end user transactional. Right? So end users do transactions. So it kind of starts complicating things if the database is asked to delete data by itself and if the end user is performing an operation that depends on that row existing and you know having a certain value. So it kind of is a conflict at the meta specification level on how to use it, right? And SQL is relational and transactional and will never give up the transactional nature. And you need, and there's definitely a case to be made for, look, I don't want that transactional stuff. I simply want my data to disappear after 90 days because it's temporal data. I don't want it to keep collecting and I don't want to do work to remove it, right? I want the database to be very efficient about it. It's just one example, right? So the bottom line is we felt that there was definitely a real need for a class of applications that needed you know, relaxed transactional semantics, so semi-relational semantics, uh, where scale and performance are actually more important and how much of transactional depth we give is actually a little less important, right? Now, we felt that, look, we can add all of this into SQL. It will confuse the people that are SQL developers. It will make the NoSQL folks unhappy because they now have to move to a different paradigm and understand the do's and don'ts of this thing. So we said, we're going to meet developers where they develop, right? Like we actually, as a company, have people come from Oracle and you know, AWS Aurora and SQL Server and all of these kind of relational databases. And we also have people that have built, you know, Apache Cassandra and HBase and all of these NoSQL databases. And we understand the pros and cons of the two sides. And it's it's for valid reasons that developers want these databases, right? So we said we would support both APIs. We're we're not going to invent a new API. That's what people hate in a new database, because you make them learn something new and they don't know the you know, the pitfalls and what it doesn't do well. And, and if they you know adopt it two, three years after a few apps are in production, they then realize, oh, look, these are the limitations and it's too late by then to pull out, right? You kind of get stuck in this thing. So we said the world has enough databases. We're going to adopt APIs, but we're going to make these APIs work well for transactional workloads that are cloud native. So that's really our direction to support both sides. All right. Okay. Thank you for that. And, and then that, you know, that, uh, description you just shared um, is going to be meaningful to anyone who's a developer and an administrator who uh, gets their hands on a database itself and database development. But you know, for business people, what are um, some of the workloads, um, the the types of workloads that Yogabyte DB is well suited for? You, you know, you met. We mentioned cloud native apps um, early in this conversation. You've made several references to transactional. Um, so what are like the top types of workloads and, and use cases? Yeah, so anything that's um, user-facing and real-time in nature, right? So transactional workloads that, that could be like users interact with them, 
or you need answers really quickly, right? Your query patterns are relatively well-known ahead of time and you need answers quickly. Those are great classes of workloads for you to buy. That's a more meta description. I'll come to something more concrete in a little bit. Um, but like, so, and, and if you attach to that the need for availability because the data and the service being available is super important. The data being always uh, resilient and consistent, that's super important. The scale aspects, like you don't know when you need to scale out or scale back in. And finally, the ability to replicate data, not just within uh, a region, but also across regions or across like clouds, public cloud, hybrid deployments, et cetera. And so these are the types of the, the overall deployment paradigms and the characteristics of applications that you know, Yugabyte can do well on. Now, if you peel it back one layer and you want like broad classes of applications, um, you know, business critical, uh, you know, applications that are breaking down and re-architecting into a microservices oriented design. That's a great, like, you know, so business critical microservices are a great uh, set of applications that Yuga by DB can support really well. Uh, there's also uh, those applications that are like primarily born in the cloud and being built in the cloud. And, you know, you need to be able to make sure you have feature velocity and Developers understand all the feature set in the database. And we do that by obviously adopting known APIs while ensuring you know, high availability and scale on demand, right? So all of these applications that are starting out in the cloud, that's a great, uh, great set for, for us. Um, there's then applications on the edge and IoT applications and large uh, applications with large amount of reads and writes and throughput. So those are those are some other classes of applications that are really good, right? So to give you some examples. We're we're agnostic to the vertical. You can, you have we have developers from multiple different verticals build applications on Yugabyte DB. But as examples, right, like um, a retail application that needs to, for example, have a product catalog that's highly available, low latency, easy to access for the end user. So you need to geographically distribute it, or the uh, say shopping cart where you need to add things into the cart and check out. But it has to always be available, no matter what fails or what happens under the hood, right? And um, you want to keep the user profile and billings because that's another thing that can need a bit of scale, right? That's just on the retail side, but you can kind of imagine if you go to the financial industry, you have uh, the stock tick data, you have payments data, you have a whole bunch of other types of data coming in, all of which require high availability and transactional consistency. There's um, IoT and like smart vehicles and you know smart buildings and a number of other like you know. Uh, oil and gas sensors and a whole bunch of that type of stuff that requires it. Global SaaS applications that need to cater to a, a global audience and move some data closer to the users or maybe even deal with regulatory compliance and keep data local. All of these are great classes of applications for us. Yeah, great. Now, um, let's see. So Yugabyte is an open source uh, database. Um, and you come from the world of working with open source databases, uh, uh, HBase, Cassandra, Postgres. So let's talk a little bit about the open source model that Yugabyte is pursuing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Yugabyte DB is a 100% open source under Apache 2.0. Um, so the tack we took, I think, uh, is different from what the rest of the industry and the database industry ended up doing is, like we said, you know what, the database itself has to be fully available so people can take full advantage of the database. Um, if, I mean, and, and if we are, if our aim is to, for example, build a cloud native version of PostgreSQL, something that has all of the PostgreSQL features but works well in a cloud native fashion, we realized we needed to be at least as open as PostgreSQL and PostgreSQL is like, you know, fully open, everything in the open. So we decided on the, on the same direction. Now, that's as far as the project goes, and we've seen great adoption, great uh, set of people getting drawn to it. We're seeing contributions from people for 
you know, really critical and interesting features coming in from the community. So all of that is great. Right? Now, as a business model, we said like, you know, we have, we're a company too, not just a project. And so we have to make money in some way. Uh, the, the decision, the, at least the rationale was the fact that it's not the database that people pay money for. It's the operations of the database and making sure it runs in a turnkey manner that you know, people really find valuable in an enterprise setting or anybody finds valuable, right? So this is akin to PostgreSQL and MySQL being open source, but Amazon Aurora really and, and RDS really making a lot of money on making sure that it's able, they're, they're able to run it really well for the users and taking away the pain of running this, right? And because um, you can get efficiencies of scale if you do it for a lot of people, but if each customer has to, each user has to do it for themselves, they're going to end up spending a lot of money, right? So, so that's really the same play here with a twist that we said, you know what, uh, as a company starting in 2016, we felt that the, the, man, the control plane, right, that runs the database itself has to have mobility to be able to run on any public cloud, private cloud, hybrid deployment, et cetera. So we built our database as a service plane, the control plane in software. And so that's something that users can run for themselves as a private database as a service, or we run it for them as a fully managed cloud. Well, uh, as we as we wrap up here, Karthik, I I did want to ask you about that. Um, basically, the uh, deployment um, options and the availability of those different options. So, uh, Yugabyte DB uh, is uh, available now um, as a, as a download, um, and then. Uh, you know, there's also in the cloud, both the self-managed and the fully managed uh, cloud versions. So maybe you could just um, uh, touch base on each one of those. Absolutely, yeah. So all three of them, like you said, are available. Um, we have a new version of the database coming out right around the corner, the 2.9 version, which has a bunch of exciting features that makes app application development even simpler. Um, so, but, but anyways, it is uh, freely available to download and use. Uh, the source code is also on GitHub. So even building from source is fine too. So, and, you know, we support all of those. On the platform side, like on the self-managed side, the way we do that is it's just software that folks will install in their account and, and give it permissions to be able to, you know, in a, if it's a public cloud, spin up machines and install software and, you know, do the, the rolling upgrades when needed or encryption or monitoring the whole nine yards, right? So it pretty much takes, um, their public cloud credentials and creates everything like including security groups like all of that automation and uh, DevOps best practices is built into software so that's available too and the third one is Yugabyte Cloud um, and uh, yeah I think uh, right now it is available there's uh, a lot of folks that are using it they're starting to use it but the real generally available for production release it's coming up pretty soon actually so pretty excited about that that's coming out uh, you know in a few weeks here. Yeah, is um, in terms of like the adoption curve, uh, is it the case that uh, your customers and users will typically start with the download and then move to deployment in the cloud, or how to you know like how do how do you see that rolling out? Yeah, that's an interesting question. We're seeing a, like that used to be the case about a, a couple of years ago. I think we're now uh, hitting a point where we see people coming in through all sides. Like, you know, there's a word of mouth from current customers. Like we are now actually deployed for many uh, really critical use cases, like across like a number of services that you'd even depend on you know, in your daily life slowly are starting to get powered by Yugabyte. So as the, as the word gets out and as people know the type of workloads we're starting to power, 
there's interest that comes in from all sides. There's commercial interest that comes in straight where people say, look, I want to skip all the open source trial stuff. Let me, let's get straight to if you can help us with our workload. Um, there's a lot of people that try out the database directly in the cloud using the free tier because it's equally free. They don't need to download and install anything and put their app right there and see if that succeeds and then you know, go into uh, you know, the next steps, whatever it is. And there's a lot of people still downloading the software, running it on their own laptop or something, trying out, understanding what it does and then coming to us. So all of these are like very viable options. We, we see real uh, numbers behind all of these options as well, right? And so I think the thing that overall, the, the way we've put everything together is the fact that the database is open. So irrespective of whether people start with a paid option or a free option, they always have the ability to go to the free option and run it themselves, right? If they, they feel that the value that we're providing on the other side is like not enough, or they need some some specific customization which we're not able to do, or or whatever the reason, right? Like they could always go to the free option, and vice versa, they can start with the free option and always go to a paid option where you know all of the manageability, everything is just taken care of for them. So we're seeing entry points all over the place. All right. Well, Karthik, uh, I think that that wraps up this conversation. I I want to thank you. It's been a, a great introduction and overview to Yogabyte. So uh, thanks so much for, for joining us here. Thanks for having me, John. It was fun. It was a great fun. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I, I look forward to inviting you back to, uh, to seeing where things stand um, you know, uh, at, at some point in the future. Uh, so that's it for this episode of the Cloud Database Report podcast. Uh, a special thanks to Karthik Ranganathan with Yogabyte for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Podcasts. And you can find the Cloud Database Report and subscribe to our free newsletter on the Cloud Wars website. Thanks, everyone. I look forward to talking to you again on our next podcast.